0: Hey, this is Scott, and before we get going, we want to wish you a happy new year. And indeed, everyone, 2022 is upon us. Man, after a long 2020, it seems like 2021 just flew right by. And we also know this year could bring about big changes for you, hopefully for the better. And if that involves finding the best person to spend the rest of your life with, Emily and I want to be there for you. Once and for all, visit scottandemily.com, front slash podcast. Remember, that's S-C-O-T-A-N-D-E-M-I-O-Y.com. And get on our calendar and talk to us free for 25 minutes. We can help you put a plan together to get done exactly what you want to get done this year, which is get your love life handled and get on with the rest of your life in a great relationship full of the little things and the big things that make a relationship wonderful and hopefully relatively free of the things that suck. And with that, here comes the brand new episode. Enjoy.
1: Live from the mysterious, mist-enshrouded, mountaintop fortress that is X&Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to X&Y on the Fly, the dating podcast, with your hosts, Scott and Emily.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome again to yet another episode of The Big Show. My name is Scott McKay.
2: And I'm Emily McKay.
0: And we're back at you again this week with part two of the good, bad, and the ugly Or, alternatively, the little things that make a relationship amazing and or suck. And, you know, you coined the term Good, Bad, and the Ugly last week. It's one of my favorite movies. And I couldn't help but think as we get started on this show, which is going to be mostly about the bad and the ugly part. Although, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep them separate. About that great scene in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, where Tuco is taking a bath And a guy who's his adversary comes in and starts telling him how he's going to kill him. And he's been waiting for this for so long. And then Tuco shoots him through the suds and blows him away. You
2: talk too much.
0: (laughs) He says something like that. He says something to the effect of, when you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk.
2: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Right? AKA, you talk too much. (laughs) You
0: talk too much. (laughs) Eli Wallach. God rest his soul. What an amazing character. One of the greatest characters in Western movies. That's what made that movie better than the previous two. If you want to talk about a sequel that was better than the originals, if you take the third movie in the Man with No Name trilogy, it's easily the best. Mostly because of Tuco and also because of the music. But I don't want to digress too much. The reason why I thought of that scene is because I think couples do that all the time. People talk and talk and talk and talk when they should just shoot you know, not to kill, but just tell <laughs> me what you mean. What do you want done? What's going on here? Stop talking around it and get to it. And couples won't cut to the chase sometimes, either because they're insecure again, or because they're afraid they're going to lose someone. Or for God's sake, they feel like they have to be heard and get their point out, get everything off their chests before the other person can do something about it or one-up them or something. It's just really weird. But couples do that all the time, don't they?
2: Oh, absolutely. But if they're doing that, it could also be the opposite. Maybe they aren't being heard and they have kind of had no other resources other than to get desperate and do that. You know, nag and complain and yell and bone and <laughs> just, you know, get desperate.
0: You know, women all the time say they want a man who listens. And that's very important to them in a relationship. So for a woman, that's a big thing. And for a man, a lot of times it seems trivial. And I bet that could go for a lot of the things we talk about today, is it seems trivial to either men or women, but it's a huge monolithic thing to the other gender or to the other partner.
2: But if you can understand that, then you know how to satisfy and create peace for yourself. Because if you can understand that she needed to be heard, even for 10 beautiful minutes, and she can feel at peace. All right, he's heard me. now. That there's... sounds like
0: an eternity to most men.
2: <laughs> well, you know, he she's been heard. Now she knows action's going to be taken care of, whatever her concerns were. Now she has the freedom to do what you need to bring you happiness.
0: Yeah, one of the things that sucks in a relationship is when someone trivializes all your needs or doesn't think what you're saying is ever important or hears without listening. And the reason why men struggle with listening to their women is because when they hear a phrase like, women want a man who listens, it feels threatening to them. Like they want a man to obey them. And that's not what they mean. They simply want to be heard and understood. Because if you don't know, guys, what your woman's hopes, dreams, fears, wants, needs are, then you don't know how to provide and protect and make decisions that are in her best interest. She's not going to feel safe because you don't even know what the roadmap looks like.
2: Oh, that's awful. That's true, because how can you possibly take me to a restaurant that I enjoy, or possibly make decisions on where we're going to live as a team? Because if my thoughts and ideas aren't important, then they're not going to be part of the decision, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's right. So listening seems small to some guys, but it's huge to women. One thing that I heard talked about and I agree with, this is not an original thought to me, is... When couples are on the same team with each other, instead of taking the adversarial side when something happens. And this comes from my friend, Dr. Mark Goldston, who is, of course, an extremely famous psychiatrist and pretty much the guru globally of conflict management. And one of the things he talked about on this very show, if you're a guy listening to the Mountaintop Podcast, probably, I don't know, three or four months ago when he was on, is that what really contributes to couples losing trust for each other and not liking each other anymore is when one spouse takes the competing argument. Like, you know, my boss today said, I don't work hard enough. And if I don't get going on this project and double down my efforts, I'm in danger of getting fired. And the wife goes, well, you know, sometimes you are pretty lazy. Maybe he's right. Oh my God. How much harder do I have to work? See, because now... As the wife, you're going to get the same emotions directed at you that I'm directing at my boss, and that can't possibly be good for the relationship. And this isn't gender specific, of course, but we're supposed to be on the same team, and that seems so trivial to a lot of people, doesn't it?
2: It does. You can say, you know, honey, I'm really sorry that you're having trouble with your boss. What can be done to help ease that tension between you and your boss? Do you have some ideas, or maybe we we can come up with some together?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think being snarky with each other, like being passive aggressive. Smart asses. Well, smart ass is fun. That's flirting. That's Banner. Okay. But like when you're just digging at each other in a way that's just under the radar, right? Yeah. And you're being passive aggressive and you're doing things just to hope the other person gets pissed off or just to get one up on them. Boy, does that make a relationship suck in a hurry. And it is, again, like we talked about in the first half last week, those are those little pebbles that start making a mountain bigger and bigger and bigger. And when we don't forgive those little pebbles as they come along, that mountain does get bigger. you know. And I cited how my ex-wife said that was why she was divorcing me, was the cumulative total of all these small things you've done to destroy me and wreck my life for seven years. And the truth of the matter is, I didn't have that mountain on my side. And looking back and through people talking to me and with me who are third parties who could help me shed some light on my codependency in this regard, she did plenty to make that relationship awful, arguably a lot more than I did. But she was the one holding the grudges. She was the one building the mountain of pebbles. And I was kind of left holding the bag. But, you know, when you have a hard time liking someone, when you have a hard time forgiving them, when you're very insecure that breeds all these snarky under-the-radar comments because really you just want to vent. You don't want any kind of confrontation. You know, it's controlled by weakness and that wrecks a relationship.
2: Really fast. Talking about taking a plane and nosedive in it, you'll crash and burn fast. Well, you know, being kind goes a long ways and snarkiness is definitely not being kind. Doing things to irritate one another I saw this video the other day, and I thought it was hilarious, but in reality, I know it was irritating. But the wife was told by the husband, stop buying stuff. We've overspent our budget, you know, stop buying online. So what she did while he was at work, she had collected all these boxes and put them all in front of the house, like massive amount of boxes. And he shows up at home seeing these, what looks like deliveries. He's like, what's this? And she's laughing because it's irritating to him because... She spent too much money. And the UPS guy shows up to deliver a couple more pieces of packages.
0: She set that up too?
2: Yeah. Well, no, that was an accident, but she must have (laughs) bought something.
0: (laughs) Well, it's no longer a prank at that point. (laughs) No, I guess not. I think pranking each other falls under that type of discussion you have to have when you're dating. Are (laughs) we a couple who pranks each other, or are we a couple that wouldn't dare do that to each other?
2: Uh, I know. Uh, You know, his facial expression was like, just... Basically, just threw his hands in the air and like, you know, there's nothing that can be done here. This is it. That's like, what can I do? Well,
0: if you're doing things to take a rough situation and exacerbate it till it comes to a head, I think that's monolithic. I think that's just flat out, straight up broken and dysfunctional.
2: Well, he didn't even yell or talk about it. He just like, all right, I'm just going to take it.
0: This is my life. It sucks.
2: Yeah, exactly. What can
0: I do about it? Right. Well, the whole idea of family expenses and spending versus saving and how we value money is a monolith in a relationship, right? Yeah. But I think what you're talking about is just common little micro disrespects. We've talked about micro this and that over the course of this episode. There are huge things you can do to disrespect the other person, like abuse them verbally, physically, cheat on them, uh, run a double standard where you get to do things and they don't get to. That's all extremely disrespectful denigrating them in front of the kids, siding with your kids against your spouse in their immaturity is just egregious. Oh my God, that will harbor bitterness that lasts for months. Like if the kid is calling the dad names because she doesn't get what she wants and the wife is taking the little daughter's side and going, yeah, I mean, what kind of husband are you? Your own daughter even knows how terrible you are. You're going to be needing a divorce attorney sooner than later. If it, you're fostering that kind of stuff.
2: That's pretty bad. Yes. And, and that's poisonous for the children.
0: Oh my gosh, it is. It teaches your kids that their parents aren't to be respected. And if you think only the mother is going to be the respected one and the dad is the one that's not going to be respected, oh no, it's going to go across the board. Don't come crying to us if you're doing that to each other as a couple and then your kids are uncontrollable six months from now. Oh yeah, 100%. Another thing along these same lines is when someone brings up something during a disagreement that's really pointed and really gets at one of your insecurities or a limiting belief and it's just hateful, and especially if they've kept it in reserve. Like you've been married to this person for two years and you get into a disagreement and they say something like, well, you know what? I never liked your parents or your siblings anyway. I hate your entire family. There it is, right? Or, you know, some other comment that basically is tantamount to, I'm sick of your face, Oh,
2: that would be awful. That would be huge. I don't even think that would be micro.
0: No, but it seems micro in the moment because it's an outburst.
2: Yeah, that's true. It's just
0: a few simple words.
2: Words that you can't take back.
0: Right. Another thing is when you have something that you're upset about, and perhaps it's only even a perception, and you hold that, you store it away, and you bottle it up till. An opportune time during an argument. Like, for example, six months from now, she says, Oh, yeah, you think you're such a great husband? That's why you were staring at that waitress at so and so restaurant six months ago. And the guy was like, Six months ago?
2: What waitress? Uh, what I don't waitress? Not restaurant. About?
0: Oh, yeah, you did it. That's dirty pull because, first of all, how is he supposed to remember that? That puts you in a power position that's self created, it's manipulative. Second of all, why didn't you bring it up when you were upset instead of getting more and more angry about it and letting it simmer? I mean, if it were spaghetti sauce, it'd be world-class by that amount of time it had simmered so long. That's toxic, and it isn't something that seems like a big thing. But man, you start doing that. And I don't care if you're the wife, you're the husband, you start playing those games with each other, then you're toast. Your relationship is toast. Anytime you start holding things in reserve. You start holding any kind of information in reserve that would have been important to the spouse because either you think you can strategically use it against them later or because, quite simply, you don't think it even mattered is toxic. For example, let's say I'm going out to a store and I say I'll be back in 40 minutes. Here's something small that wrecks a relationship. I come home three hours later and I don't bother to text you and say, hey, you know what? I found a couple other errands I needed to run. You and I Tell each other where we're going to be. Sometimes if you take a little bit longer than you need to, I will text you and say, hey, you okay out there?
2: Which I love.
0: I'm checking up on you.
2: I mean, I like when you check up on me because if I've been gone a while and I haven't seen a text, I'm like, has he realized I've been gone a couple hours?
0: (laughs) Well, I am checking up on you, but I'm not checking up on you for selfish reasons. I'm not afraid you're out with some other guy or cheating on me or you're spending too much money. I have a genuine positive concern for you.
2: And that's how I see it. It's like, oh, he loves right. me. He's worried about my safety.
0: Right. I are think you okay also, out
2: there? Usually, are you okay out right. there with the text I
0: get? <laughs> yes, that's it. And a lot of times you have the kids with you. Oh, yes. And so I, I care. Now, I think couples can start getting into habits that don't seem so bad at first. They may even seem sort of innocuous. But over the time... Doing this one little thing over and over again has the effect of wearing down the relationship. Kind of like if you've ever been to Washington D.C. and walked up the Washington Monument, the steps are worn.
2: Oh, you remember the ones there in Rome? Where yeah, it's yeah, just right, a exactly. Big old dip.
0: That's a, a lot of steps. Th- oh, yeah. Right. I may be thinking of the Washington Monument in Baltimore which is not quite as tall as the one in D.C., but there's one of those monuments that has marble steps up. I think the one in Washington, D.C., you go up an elevator these days, but when you take the steps up, they're worn from all the people stepping on it, and they're marble. I'm pretty sure there are habits that couples get into that they don't think are so bad. They may even think they're sort of innocuous at first, but over the course of time, enough's enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For example... I go into my man cave and watch this movie and you're watching something for the women in the other room. But there's another night where you and I didn't spend any quality time together. Didn't give each other affection. Didn't hug each other and snuggle under the blanket watching a movie together. And it becomes a habit. And the next thing you know, you go to bed at midnight. I go to bed at four in the morning. You wake up at eight o'clock. I wake up at noon or whatever. And then we wonder why we don't have a sex life. And it becomes irritating when it seemed innocuous at first. That's just one example I can come up with.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, that could even be more magnified or more of a problem when you introduce a newborn into a, a relationship. I've seen relationships fall apart this way because the baby's crying, it has needs. Dad has needs too, but the baby's crying, it has needs, and the baby ends up sleeping with mom. Dad's like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I have to go to work and get up at 6 in the morning. He goes off into another bedroom, and time goes by, and they don't even realize that four, five, six years has gone by, and they've been sleeping in two separate bedrooms.
0: Right. It seems like normal to them.
2: Right. Right. And they did not intend that to happen, but because they're in two different bedrooms, they have actually developed two different lives, and they have no longer... They stop kindling that love for each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we should do a whole podcast where we revisit this whole idea of how parenthood affects a relationship. it has been too long since we talked about that, and that's a whole topic unto itself. There are so many examples of little habits you can get into that seem innocuous at first, but over the course of time, to start wearing on you. They become fodder for future arguments. Uh, for example, let's say we drove each other's cars around and we just got in the habit of leaving the tank empty when we brought the car back. And Wait, the first but i like, this
2: is this is my thing here.
0: <laughs> some kind of hits I want to know business. how
2: long I can drive on empty before it actually becomes empty.
0: Well, all right. Lest this conversation become vacuous, let me complete the thought, all right? So let's say I bring the car home and it's on empty and I'm like, eh, I don't know, should I have done that? But you don't say anything. And you get up the next day, and you bring the car home, and it's full. It's like, oh, cool. She took care of it. She must not have minded. So anytime it's a coin flip, whether I should put gas in the car or just let it slide and drive home on empty, guess what I'm going to do?
2: You always fill it
0: up. Well, in real life, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to make an example because I'm thinking people might be able to relate to it at some level. Mm. But if I continuously do something that annoys, and it could be anything like that. It could be, oh, here's one of my pet peeves. When people drink or eat everything but the absolute last bite or the last half ounce and put the rest of it back in the refrigerator, what are we supposed to do with that?
2: Eat it later.
0: <laughs> it isn't going to satisfy any hunger or thirst. A half it an ounce a ounce of orange juice or, you know, a half a tablespoon of cream cheese. Just use the whole thing I'm throwing away. But I don't watch it. It's the same thing. No, It's not. <laughs> Something small that's no big deal when taken on an individual basis as one event, but over the course of time, it sucks. And it makes you bitter and upset, like, here we go again. Um, we have someone in this family, it's not either one of us, who just refuses to flush the toilet after they drop a dump. <laughs> Consistently. Well, we're annoyed with them after a while. <laughs> <I> know, right?
2: <laughs> the ugly part of life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Those things matter because that's the real world. That's the de-romanticized reality of relationships. And how we handle those de-romanticized, ugly realities, you know, we're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, really weighs heavily on the quality of the relationship. I think people think this is a big fairy tale, and it's supposed to everything that happens is something perfect and sanitary, but that's that's not real life, is it?
2: No. And you know, I'm going to tell you this. We have two males and two females in this household. And the one thing I do appreciate is that every time I go into the bathroom, even if the toilet's not always flushed. (laughs) but
0: The seat is down.
2: The seat is down. Exactly. That's one thing I never have to deal with. I love having the seat down.
0: Now, here's why I believe men should put the seat down. Because it sucks a lot less for men to come in and have to put the seat up than it does for women to get up and go to the toilet in the middle of the night and boom, fall into the toilet and it's all gross and stuff around the edges because someone forgot to put the seat down. Or that they forgot to flush? Oh, yes, exactly. The ramifications for women in this scenario are much worse. So, no, I do not have a problem putting the seat down afterwards.
2: It's a little thing in life.
0: It is. Now, we will use the toilet with the door open. All day long, as we talked about in the last episode, but at least we keep the seat down. Yes. If the door's open, right? How about your sex life? We got to talk about that. Obviously, if you're not having as much sex as you'd like to, that's going to make the relationship suck. Or not suck, (laughs) depending on how you look at it.
2: I guess it would be lacking that, wouldn't it?
0: Right. (laughs) It'd be lacking the sucking. But lest we get too graphic... I think a lot of times if sexual needs, sexual fantasies aren't communicated, then people can start over time feeling left out in the sexual relationship or unfulfilled in the sexual relationship. And that sucks.
2: Yes. Sometimes there are things we can do that will help improve that. For example, what would be causing man or woman not to have that sexual drive? Sometimes that drive gets diminished for different reasons. And one of the reasons could be stress. If they're having a lot of stress at work, at home, taking care of the kids, could be any number of things. But if you can find a way to continuously try to help your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend to relax, to find a way, like we talked earlier last week about having that mini vacation. You know, you've had a hard time with the kids. How about you go into the other room, relax, I got the kids for a little bit.
0: Men, how about a little mental foreplay all day long instead of just wanting to rip her pants down and hit it? If you turn it into a chore, it's going to feel like a chore. If you follow the advice that some dating and relationship gurus proffer out there of, hey, you should plan time every week to have sex, that makes me want to race my gag reflex to the men's room. That one right there. Try being a little more spontaneous. Here's another idea. Talk out what the expectations are, what the sex expectations are. Guys, if you want to try this particular thing or this particular position, please say so. And if your wife is completely offended and, oh my God, you're some kind of pervy creep for doing that, then she's not being a very good wife, okay? Ultimately, it would be wonderful for you to be able to tell each other your sexual fantasies and trust each other through that. I know that's a lot to ask for a lot of couples, but at least have some conversation about it.
2: Now, that wouldn't mean that, you know, that the fantasy is going to get fulfilled, but the freedom to be able to express it and talk about it and find, you know, ways to satisfy a need, uh, that's a great
0: way to start. I see what you did there. Okay, Buster, don't plan on your fantasies being fulfilled around here. <laughs> Not necessarily. No, I think it's a fair point. I'm poking fun at you. And after 16 years, we've done plenty. Oh, yeah. But an example that I can think of that's very, very practical is, should we shower and clean up before we get naked together? Should we have sex in bed or should we have sex somewhere?
2: On the roof of a hotel?
0: <laughs> yes. More exotic and naughty. Uh No story there. Not at all. No, no, no. It was no. just an example. Sure. A-, a random one. So, for example, some people like how their partner smells all stinky and sweaty. They think it's more erotic. Other partners may go, I'm not getting anywhere near that thing until you wash it with soap and water. Well, you need to be able to talk about that and come to some sort of agreement.
2: Exactly.
0: Do we want to have hot, sweaty sex or do we want to set the air conditioner down to 68 or something before we do the wall thing? If we're in a hotel, do we care whether or not we make so much noise that we get a round of applause at breakfast the next morning? You know, talk about those things. You're shaking <laughs> your head. <laughs> Another random example that never happened. No. Not, no, not even no. once. Right, exactly. But yeah, I think those are the keys to having a good sex life. Is you talk about what you want, how often you want it, and the way you want it. And if you can't talk about that...
2: You're not going to be satisfied because... The relationship's no going to suck. No one can read your mind.
0: That's right. And that goes for just about anything, really. Sex or anything else. If there's something that you need to make sure is going on, and it's not going on, and you don't say anything about it, you can't expect your partner to read your mind.
2: And you can't hold them against it.
0: Oh, men complain about this as much as women complain about men not listening. Like, Mm. I was supposed to read her mind. Well, you were a man. You were supposed to do this. This is what men do. Well, men do all sorts of things. But I'm going to need to know that this was a priority of yours. And then, you know what? Chances are, I would have been happy to you know make it happen for you as the head of this household, as the man of the house. But since you didn't tell me, it didn't happen, and now you're going to try to weaponize that and use it against me? I don't think so. It creates something bigger out of something smaller.
2: Well, no one likes it when we are being treated unfairly. Nothing feels worse when something is unfair. I will tell you, the other night I was playing what's called uh, Mexican Train Dominoes. You know, When you first start this game, you're supposed to lay down as many dominoes as you can. And then after that, the next round, you only put one at a time. And, of course, Sarah and John put all the ones that they could probably more than almost all their dominoes. And it was my turn. And I couldn't put down not one domino. So I have 15 dominoes I can't do anything with, which means I've lost this game before I even started. Yes, that felt unfair.
0: <laughs> all these people out there, when you first started talking about this, have this mental image of some guy in the Mexico City subway delivering a pizza. <laughs>
2: mexican train dominoes. But I mean, that felt so unfair. I mean, that was just a game. Can you imagine in real life, every time you turn around, you're hit with something that's not fair? You know, how dare you not do such and such? I'm so mad it's not done. Well, honey, I didn't even know it needed to be done. If you'd told me, I'd happily done it.
0: That's like being sent to prison when you're innocent. That sucks. You know, we talked about the double standard in the first episode briefly, and that really does feel unfair. I get to do this because I'm a woman, you know, and we're all angels. All you men are toxic and can't be trusted, so you can't do that. I can talk about sexy firemen and policemen and men in uniform all day long, but if I catch you with your head on a swivel at the mall, I'm going to whack you upside the head with a rolling pin. That's not fair. That creates bitterness over time. And really, what we're talking about here are the things that create contentment, safety, fun. It should be delightful to be together. Your newsletter for women is called Keys to Bliss. And, you know, we've been accused of being Pollyanna-ish about this, and now nobody has a happy relationship. Well, the hell they don't. That's why we're having this podcast this week and the one we did last week, is we believe that you can do this. You've got to give each other the same rights and privileges, regardless of gender, regardless of your marital status. It's not like you're my wife, you have more or less rights than I do. That's ridiculous. You've got to be on an equal footing in a relationship. Nowadays, a lot of people want to deny gender. They want to deny that men are men and women are women. And they try to use mental gymnastics to make us think that unless we treat each other as if we're exactly the same, then we're not treating each other as being equal. But, oh, there's a big difference.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, like I like it when you wash my truck.
0: I'm a guy. I like to do that.
2: I don't. (laughs) I don't like washing my truck.
0: But see, when I wash your truck for two hours, and then you drive it through a big mud puddle just from here to the corner, that's one of those small things that makes me irritated. Oh, yes. Well, at least you know that.
2: But I know not to do that.
0: Right. Well, usually. All right. So (laughs) anyway, (laughs) running a double standard saying that the rules are different for this other person, and especially having the goalposts move, like it was okay last week and it's not this week. I mean, that's the kiss of death in parenting, you know, when your kid... Is allowed to do something last week and then they get beaten up and abused for doing it this week. That's abusive.
2: Yes, it is. Absolutely. And to add one level to that, sometimes we have stepchildren in a relationship and that adds a whole nother quandary of problems.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if one spouse has a child and the other one doesn't, then there's just a whole group of opportunities there for irritating each other. The one parent will say, I think you should love my child as if he or she were your own. And the other one is like, I'm trying to do that, but I just can't, or whatever. For some people, that'll come easier than others. But in those situations, again, I think the key is going to be communication of expectations. Let's not do things that are going to contribute to long-term bitterness, and holding those feelings inside, and holding grudges, and weaponizing those feelings later on, and keeping score, and building that mountain out of small pebbles are really at the core of what make a relationship suck.
2: Yes, and always remembering that you're a team, that you're together because you love each other and you cherish each other, and you understand that the both of you have wonderful assets and qualities that you admire about one another. And because of that, you came together and made a forever life. And when you understand that and that your two are safe, you're going to work as a team. You're going to talk things out. And no matter what happens... You gotta remember it's you against the world.
0: You know what? I like you. I like you too. (laughs) (laughs) That was my kind way of saying we're out of time. Plus I do really like you. Which is one of those small pebbles that's cumulatively going to make a mountain out of this and make people go, God, I'm sick of this show. I'm not listening anymore. You two are too syrupy. Yeah. I need a I need a dentist because I've got a toothache from all this sugar coated. Stuff you're talking about. But
2: it's nice when you have a good, happy relationship, and it does exist, and it's a reality that does. I mean, just doing simple things like if I'm next to you and I start rubbing your back or scratch it, and you just love the feel of that. You know, I do the little things, and it matters.
0: Yeah, little signs of affection. Yes. Definitely matters. Well, we've given you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And by now, I hope that you can see, folks, that we're demoing the kind of relationship we have for you guys. You know, we get along, we adore each other, we do have a wonderful relationship. What you see is what you get. We're not acting. And the kids do get along, uh, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. We screw up, we have tiffs, we have stuff that comes our way that we have to deal with from either internal sources or external forces at work, and we deal with them as a team because we like each other and we love each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we've been together for so long and will continue to be.
2: And we're not immune to anything that happens in this world and, you know, things that we have no control over. But we are together in this life.
0: And those things we have control over, we need to ride herd on so that we have more good than bad or ugly. That's right. And with that, we want to invite you to check out our websites. Ladies, go to scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And my name is oddly spelled with one T. So that's S-C-O-T-N-E-M-I-L-Y.com front slash podcast. Get on Emily's newsletter. Comes about twice a week. It's fluff free, full of information on how to get a great guy in your life and how to have a great relationship and build a great life for both you and for him. Gentlemen, go to mountaintoppodcast.com. Get on my free newsletter. Uh, it comes every day, and it is also fluff-free. We'll give you lots of tips on how to be a better man and do better in your relationships with women. Also, both of us, Emily and I, you can get on our calendar and talk to us for free for 25 minutes about what the next step is in your life. It doesn't matter whether you're single as yet or already in a relationship. We talk to couples all the time as well as single folks. You can sign up on our calendar at either mountaintoppodcast.com or scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And that about does it for this show, Emily.
2: That went really fast.
0: Yeah. Time flies when we're having fun. That's right. Talking about good, bad, or ugly stuff.
2: Say we talked about a lot of good stuff.
0: Yeah. That's always more fun. And with that, until we talk to you again real soon, this is Scott McKay.
2: And this is Emily McKay.
0: Be good out there. And have fun. You've been
1: listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, an online dating profile rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.